This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we're not going to get you rich. There are sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase down that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Godspeed. Episode 12, Mr. J. Swaw, what is happening? Not much, dude. Uh, it's the best time of the year. It's uh, freaking college basketball is here. College football is still going. NFL is still going. NHL, NBA. I mean, it's it's uh, what more could a guy ask for? How are you, Rob? Things are good. Things are good. Um, I suck at fantasy, everything. But other than that, I let Joey beat me uh, in basketball this past week because it was his birthday, and I love him. But you know, fuck! I forgot to text Joey for his birthday. Damn it! Come on, man. <laughs> Happy belated, Joey. See, I did. I used to have a calendar, and now it's been like two years since I've had a calendar. I gotta get a calendar. I'm gonna buy one right now. I used to be good about this. Shit. Anyways. You do suck, Rob, uh, in fantasy and in real life. But uh, cool, yeah. That <laughs> uh, just kidding. But uh, yeah, I think I finally sobered up from the Nationals' uh, victory parade. Went to the parade Saturday, kind of put a bow on everything, realizing that wow, that was a really fun month. But uh, life continues, and I didn't do a lot of college football, or, or I didn't do any college football. I didn't do any NFL betting this weekend. Kind of just sobered up. Um, got acclimated to the time change, which was, uh, and it's something you don't deal with in Arizona because you guys are a bunch of weirdos. And I really did a lot of college basketball prep. So that's what this episode's all about. College basketball, college hoops. This is my, my first love of betting, but my main love, my main squeeze as the cool kids say. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to go over it as a whole. Uh, Rob, where are scale of one to ten? What is your rating of a college b-ball fan? Mm, there have been times in my life when I was super, super into it. The past probably five years, man, super low. Um, two, three. I watch the Final Four sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I think that's more probably the casual sports guy is probably closer to that than than myself but it's definitely if you are a college basketball fan it's usually like the, your favorite sport it's it's a lot of fun uh, i kind of just want to go over as a whole from like a gambling standpoint so uh so just pretty much every team plays about 30 games roughly about 18 16 to 18 are conference games uh but you get about 10 to 12 uh preseason like non-conference games they're not really preseason they count uh, and then there's the postseason tournaments, which you know is March, which everyone loves the conference tournaments and then the national tournament. So it usually is about 80, or excuse me, about 30 games. So it's about three times as much as as college football. So that's a big reason there where I love college basketball is you get three times the amount of games. So it's three times the amount of opportunities to bet on games. Uh, so if you really get a feeling for a team in college football, it usually takes at least a two or three games to get a good feel for a team. Then you only have, you know, let's say six or seven times to capitalize on that. Whereas college basketball, you know, you can be capitalizing that for three, four months. Uh, there's much more data, much less randomness. Still, the range of outcomes is bigger than the NBA just because they are college kids. Um, another thing about college basketball, coaching matters. It matters a lot, but also having, having talent is, is uh, beneficial. Chemistry is important. Um, a lot of these guys have never been role players before that are, are becoming role players, but a lot of that points back to coaching. Uh, another thing too is teams place different styles. So zone defenses versus man defenses. Essentially, if you, if you played a lot of zone in the NBA, you would be just torn up just because everyone can shoot truly everyone. So you really don't see that difference between team A and team B from styles just because you kind of are forced to play man. Whereas in, in uh, college basketball, Every team has at least a zone built in, and some teams run primarily zones. And for example, Syracuse in the ACC, they are known for their 2-3 zone. Uh, Washington in the Pac-12, their 2-3 zone, things of that nature, which really lends you from a betting perspective to know which teams have good zone-beating offenses. Uh, things for that are being able to move the ball side to side, good facilitating, good shooting. 
Obviously, you can shoot over a zone from the outside, things of that nature. So you can really know, um, you know, find advantages from tempos, uh, team strengths and weaknesses. I mean, uh, what I mean by tempo is is how fast the team plays as well. So usually the more athletic teams like North Carolinas and Dukes, they're going to want to run because they have better athletes. Um, and it's twofold. Obviously, you're you're running, you're you're um, more athletic. That's going to benefit you. But also, when you're the better team, the more possessions you have in a game, right? The more trials, if you will, if we're getting our math hat on, the uh, more chances you're going to have to dominate your, uh, you know, to show your skill, if that makes any sense. So if you play in a game where there's 90 posse- uh, offensive possessions, um, the better team is going to. Sh- to win more times than if you only got to play 60 possessions. It's the same thing as like flipping a coin, right? If you flip a coin 90 times, it's more likely to come out fi- closer to 50-50 than if you flip the coin 60 times. You know, there'd just be more randomness. Uh, but yeah, it, just just things to know about each team's. Uh, it, I, I just love college basketball. Also, the pageantry of it. Um, the, the stadiums are always fun. The, the classic, like hungover college kid who's got to sign a game day, you know, um, it's, it's just, it's good fun. It's good, clean fun. Uh, but any questions at all, just holistically before we kind of go into my resources and then my personal philosophy, and then we actually talk about the, the conferences and, and the teams themselves. Yeah. Is this the first sport that you bet on or bet on successfully? This is the first sport. Sport I bet on successfully, no doubt. Um, I kind of casually did football and stuff like that, but uh, college basketball, it was really uh, right when I was graduating college. I, I graduated in December, so it was one of those things where I, you know, our friends either graduated the year before or just like yourself, you graduated spring 2013. I kind of had this void from January, February, and March. So I had like all this free time, had some graduation money, had some side money, things of that nature. So I was able to like really focus on it. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually having some success here. I think a lot of that was actually kind of randomness just in my favor, at least the amount I was winning. But definitely piqued my interest. And I had a really good March Madness that year. And that kind of was like, okay, hey, I really like this. Um, This was fun. I could do this way better next year. And then I've kind of rinsed and repeated for the last five to six years doing that. And Mm -hmm. that's really all it is. And that's really what I try to tell people with sports betting is like, you know, I could, I could write, you know, I I quite literally do write these things out and have this, this podcast as a forum, but really just having skin in the game and and doing trial and error. And, and, you know, that's the way you're going to learn from it. And that's the way I've learned. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this is, this is my baby. And uh, I, I also, uh, when I was uh, 11, I believe, 11 or 12, Maryland, I, I grew up where the University of Maryland is uh, in College Park, and Maryland won the national title, so it was like a very impactful age. So it's kind of like, even though I went to school in Arizona, and even for grad school, I went to UMBC, I'm still a huge Maryland basketball fan. So it's kind of like that impactful age. So yeah, that, that's pretty much why it's uh, my first love. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's super, well, at least your approach to it is super matchup dependent and like the factors that affect a given team's ability to work against another team. You feel like you have an edge in predicting the likely output of that based on pace and style and roster and things like that. So it's like that's your, like just digging into the details, doing your homework is, that's that's the bread and butter here. There's not like especially a secret sauce, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and really what's great about college basketball is its programs. So, you know, you have pretty much eight to 10 guys. Some deep teams will play 10, maybe 11 guys. But you have eight to, to 10 guys usually that are playing in the games. Obviously, the starters and the first guy off the bench, the most impactful. And so what that does is that limits the variables a lot. And each even from year to year, you'll have, you know, leaner years and heavier years. You know, let's say you have a really good senior class. But at its core, if a, if a guy, a coach has been at a, at a program for long enough, he really recruits the same guy. It's just maybe he's a four-star or a five-star guy. So it's, you know, a little bit higher on the spectrum or lower on the spectrum. But they, they really recruit that same guy. Of course, the name changes. They're slightly different in appearance. But they're usually – so, for example, like – uh, you know, Wisconsin will get a, a certain type of stretch four, you know, 
Um, you know, Syracuse gets the same lengthy guys for their two, three zone. So really you understand the programs, understand who they're recruiting. And then you watch them long enough. You realize, man, they, they have a real good guy at the top of their two, three zone. So that, you know, that this is going to make them an extra dangerous variation of them or conversely, yeah, they don't really have a, a rebounder here. They're going to get, you know, things of that nature. So it was just so many less variables in, in basketball compared to football. So it's more player specific and it's more, um, you know, each coaches have their kind of tendencies and whatnot. So it, yeah, it, it's really just knowing the, the programs, not getting tripped up by one uh, bad game because no team goes undefeated and, and just really knowing the programs inside and out. That, that's really where I take my pride in. And that kind of leads us into my personal philosophy. So what I've done, so last year, like I said, I did this full time. And I, I started the year out, I, I followed all six major conferences. So that's ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Big East, and SEC. And I was just overwhelmed. Even though I, I didn't have, a, you know, I was doing this full time last year. I was overwhelmed and couldn't really keep a good feel on everyone. So I've I halfway through the year I reduced it to four major conferences. So that's the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12. And I I narrowed those down for several reasons. First of, of which, the ACC and the Big Ten are kind of what I grew up on, especially the ACC. Uh, now since Maryland has moved to the Big Ten, don't remind me or laugh at me. Um, I, now I know the Big Ten a lot better. Uh, so those are the kind of kind of bread and butter. Uh, the Pac-12, obviously, we went to school in Arizona, but it's also because it's at night, you know, at least out here, all their games are at night, so I can watch their games easier. And the Big 12, it's a smaller conference, um, but all of their games are usually on ESPN, and they play Monday night games. So uh, they play, it's called Big Monday. They have a deal with ESPN, so they have back-to-back games on Monday. So that's 40% of the league I get to watch on Mondays. And then on Saturdays, they play with everyone else, and I try to see as many games as I can. So it's just easier to follow that. Um, and just with that, you know, you just know these teams in and out. Teams are going to have bad nights. I mean, Christ, NBA teams have bad nights. And, you know, you can never chalk it up to one or even two games. It's, it's always out of a bigger picture. Um, but, you know, you do a lot of research in the preseason, uh, and you're quick to adjust, but you don't forget your pride. You know, I do a lot of preseason research and a lot of reading, and I put the teams into tiers of each conference, and then I qu- I'm quick to pivot after maybe three, four, five games. And, but I don't forget where I had them preseason. So essentially what I do is uh, everything is geared towards conference play. So in November and December, it's about 95% of the games are non-conference. And really all I'm trying to do is get skin in the game. Any side I think I have an advantage on I'm going to play and really just so I have skin in the game and I'm able to watch that game have uh, you know a bet on it and you're gonna you just human naturally you're gonna watch the game closer because you have money on it and it's really of course you're trying to make money in that game but really you're trying to watch the game closely pick out any nuggets you see from it so that way in January when you get conference play so you get these teams playing one another you have so much more data, so much more information on these teams. So essentially, I triple my bet size come conference uh, play in January. So right now in November and December, I'm, I'm betting a third of what I normally bet. And that's really just so I can get skin in the game, any inkling I can find. Uh, it can even be press clipping sometimes of, oh, you know, they're going to try out these, these lineups. I'm, I'm more willing to, to put money on an edge like that. Uh, um, whereas in conference play, I would need a little bit more to make a play on. Um, so that's really the whole goal. I, if I break even November and December with, with college basketball betting, I'm happy. But it's with the expectation that way January, February, March, that's where I make my money because I, I have you know head skin in the game. I've been betting on it. I've been following it so intently during the, the quote-unquote preseason, the non-conference season in November and December. Um, any questions with that or does that make any, any sense there or. Yeah. It reminds me of the, what we talked about preseason college football, college football, obviously having the bigger kind of range of outcomes, but you do your preseason research, you come in like wanting to be knowledgeable, but knowing that you're going to get like, like poker with each hand played, you're getting more information. Um, it sounds like, 
November and December for you in college basketball is is precisely that. But you have a philosophy that you need to actually be putting bets, not just actually watching, because that makes your your homework sharper, makes you pay more attention. Yeah, and that's just how it is. And that's you know I've tried it the other way of like, oh, I'm just gonna watch these games, and it I've just I've taken less out of it. Uh, I don't know if that's a degenerate char- characteristic. It probably is, but it's just the way it is, and it's the way that works for me. So, um, you know. It, yeah, I'm just going to do what works. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it gets, it gets results. So, but it's all about the long term, And it's also all about I'm, all of this research I'm doing this year. You know, I looked at all the research. I looked at all my power rankings at the end of last year. And that's this, that's where I started my research, you know? And so it's like, all right, here's where they ended last year. And now let me do all this research going into it. So it's like everything I'm doing is not only for this year, but it's also for this time next year. So you're kind of mm-hmm. like understanding where it's, program is okay maybe it's year one year two of a coach uh is he establishing his culture or is it still kind of looking like a question mark things of that nature so um yeah i think that's a that's a good point um as far as resources that i use uh, i I do want to go over resources first thing is kempom.com so essentially uh early to mid 2000s this guy ken pomeroy who was a fucking uh weatherman it's such a badass. Essentially, just a you know, created predictive models for a living for weather. He also just loved college basketball and decided, like, let me use my knowledge to create a website for college basketball just to predict it, just for fun. And, and he started posting it online and was like, wow, this is really good shit. And gamblers started. Gamblers used to use Kempom maybe for about five to six years and just would take pretty much copy and paste Ken Palm's rankings and would make money. They would hit about 55, 56%. So naturally word got around to the bookmakers at, about this website. And now every, anyone and everyone that bets on basketball or, or college basketball or books, you know, the casinos, they have Ken Palm. So now it's almost like you have, this is what the casinos use. So I track what Kempom for every game in those four conferences that are, are in there. And if the market is up or under on, you know, Kempom, I make a note of that. So I not only, you know, for most sports, I track what the market is. I also track here and what Kempom says, because if the market is two or three points off Kempom, uh, that's not a secret anymore. There's a reason for that. So I should know that either a Kempom is just overrated or underrated on a certain team or B, there must be an injury. There must be something I'm missing that's not in my handicap. So um, just like I told you how I track games in the NFL, I do that as well with college basketball. But I also track uh, track with Ken Palm as well. Ken Palm is a great website. Go ahead. So you're saying that in that example that you gave where the market is two or three points off the website, you would tend to ascribe more weight to the intelligence of the market compared to the website? I would now in in our Lord year 2019. Now in you know 2010, 20, 2009, I would say Kempom. But now because everyone uses Kempom, the, yeah, the, there's something that's missing. And, and probably this early in the year, it's just Kempom overrates or underrates a team. Uh, um, I have a couple of teams, and when we go over actual conferences, um, that I, I've identified that Kempom has overrated, at least compared to market. Now, of course, Kempom might be right, but at least compared to market, they've, they're clearly overrated or underrated on. Um, so, yeah. But what's great about Kempom is if you, it gives you a team profile. It shows you, it breaks, team, it breaks them down into the four factors of basketball. So, there, long story short, there was a book that came out. It's called Basketball on Paper. Dean Oliver is essentially like the, you know, it's kind of like the the Billy Bean of of uh, you know analytics for basketball, but the four factors Dean Oliver proposed in that book are, are shooting percentage, turnovers, rebounds, and free throws, and he assert, he gave a weight to each one. Shooting percentage being worth forty percent of a team's kind of like rankings. Um, so it's 40% for shooting percentage, 25% for turnovers, 20% for rebounds and 15% for free throws. And the website breaks down, you know, each team's, how often they take threes, their 30 point percentage, and all this, of course, on defense as well. So it really gives you like a team profile of how that team plays, which is very beneficial. There's no doubt about that. So like when we talk about those matchups, 
it's easy to find, okay, maybe this team's going to be more of a zone buster because they, they assist the ball a lot. They shoot a lot of threes. They shoot threes well, things of that nature. Um, so Ken Palm is a good resource, but it's no longer the end-all, be-all. It's, you're, you're not going to get an edge just from Ken Palm uh, just because everyone uses it. So it's, it's, it's pretty much like common knowledge. Um, but you still need to use that as a resource. It's $20 for a year subscription. It's totally worth it. Um, so yeah, before we move on to some of my other ones, uh, any questions about the old Ken Palm there, Rob? No, I think you covered it. Sweet. So this next one's called Haslametrics. So Haslametrics is essentially this guy is an electrical engineer uh, up in like upstate Wisconsin. He's one of the funniest. He's just a, he's just a nerd on on uh, Twitter who is probably smarter than anyone I've ever met. Just being just this unbelievably intelligent engineer, but essentially he has a model of ranking teams that I find very, very beneficial because it doesn't use Dean Oliver's four factors. So, like I said, Ken Palm and really the main even NBA um, projections they use the four factors. So I really like using this website because it doesn't use it that way. Essentially, he uses play-by-play data. And from what his explanation is, is he ranks these teams based on like the most simplest, you know, part of basketball, which is essentially uh, where the teams shoot from, how well they shoot from each possession, uh, their turnovers, their um, and their rebounding, and then all those stats on defense. And he uses that by play-by-play data. I don't know exactly how he uses it, but what I love about it is it gives me another data set, but it's not the same as Ken Palm. And what you'll do is it'll, it'll help you kind of find holes or outliers that maybe Ken Palm's, um, you know, rankings are overrating or underrating. And right now, because Haslametrics is not as popular, it's gaining popularity. Um, you can make money off that if you if you're able to identify, you know, the the things that Ken Palm's overlooking. The other reason I really like the website is that it is all based on this year's data, so it doesn't use priors. So what was funny is last year, like the University of San Francisco was yeah, got out to a really hot start, like five and zero, and they were playing like really well. In his rankings for the first like couple weeks, they were like the number three or four team in the nation. So you'd see like Duke, Gonzaga, and it's like San Francisco. <laughs> um, obviously, as more sample size got, you know, San Francisco fell to the wayside. But what I like is that that's just raw data. You know, that's that is just what the numbers are saying. That's how well this team is playing. Um, and, and what I, you know, I, I like that because Ken Palm has a, the preseason rankings and all of that. And I do enough preseason homework where I know pretty much the, the, you know, range of outcomes of certain teams should be. But the fact that we're getting data that's just raw, you know, these computers don't know Duke, they don't know Kentucky that, you know, the, 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 it's just binary, it's zero or ones, you know, it's not, they don't know the tradition of teams, blah, blah, blah. blah. So it's nice to get that unbalanced, uh, data in there. Uh, but yeah, he, he does a really good job breaking down teams' uh, home road splits, which are really good, and a lot of uh, valuable uh, information on that website, which I really like. Uh, now, I don't want to say less analytical because there's plenty of analytics, but um, this guy Jordan Sperber, also known as Hoop Vision, he, he used to be a video recorder, uh, video coordinator at a couple of D1 schools. So Eric Musselman, who used to be at, at Nevada, um, he anyways he has this website called Hoop Vision, and it just makes you a better basketball player, or excuse me, basketball fan, just understands the sport so much better by following this guy. He just went premium this year. It's like I think ten bucks a month. But I mean, if you are interested in basketball, just learning basketball, like the, the coach side of me loves uh, reading the stuff he puts out there. And he, Anyways, he puts like these the breakdowns, the video breakdowns that he used to produce for these D1 coaches uh, for all these teams that he, you know, that's out there. He'll, he'll put breakdowns on and, and kind of show tendencies and give you kind of a scouting report. But it really teaches you so much about basketball as well, especially from like an X's and O's standpoint. So it's a really fun to follow. Um, and once again, I'll put all of these resources in the show notes. So if you have any uh, interest in, in these, which you really should. Um, you'll be able to find them, but it's really fascinating. And of course, he sets it to like some pretty. So he has Twitter clips that I'm sure I'll retweet. I used to retweet all of them last season, uh, but it's like set to some pretty, pretty nice uh, 
like uh, drum solos and stuff like that, and some like you know R and B background. It's like it's just so smooth. Some of the clips he will. So you, you'll see plenty of retweets from that if you follow me on Twitter. And then finally, um, kind of kind of just a less uh, qualitative uh, or less quantitative, I should say, more qualitative. Uh, it's this website called Three Man Weave. It's essentially three guys, pretty much our age, Rob, like late twenties or early thirties. Huge basketball fans. They know what they're talking about. Like they do great previews, very insightful, but also just smart and funny. Um, and they're they're kind of the human element of it all. And just, they produce great podcasts and, and, and great write ups for the preview. Um, you know, going into the big weekend stuff of that nature. So they're a lot of fun as well to follow. But it, it, for me, that those are the four resources I lean on the most. And of course, myself. You know, uh, just what I see, what I read you know, things of that nature. But that, that really leads to, to my power rankings. And I set all my power rankings to the, the conferences within themselves. So I have the four conferences I follow. I have a number for those teams, and it's all based on, um, you, you know, the best team is 100, if that makes sense. And then the next best team, however many points they're fine, you know, they might be 98 or 97. I have that for, for each team. Uh, because, like I said, I, I – only really care about January through March, uh, um, and, and comparing these teams within their own conference. Uh, but yeah, any questions before we get into the actual previews of the four uh, conferences that I, I follow? No, man, give me those locks. Okay, yeah, let's let's get the uh, the key out. So starting with the ACC, this is the conference I grew up on. Yes, uh, Maryland is no longer in here. Yes, I'm pissed about it, but. Um, so the first tier I have with the ACC, there's four dominant national title uh, aspiration teams. Uh, right now, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, and Louisville, all four of those teams could easily win the national title. I pretty much have them within one to uh, two and a half points of each other, all in the same tier. And like I said, I'm quick to move up and down based on what I see the first four or five, six games. But I like to have them in tiers so that that way I can essentially, you know, within a point or two, call them, you know, even. But, yeah, Louisville, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, those are um, those are the really the four the best teams, not only in the ACC, but really to have that in the same conference is pretty insane, to have four teams that legitimately could win a national title. But they're all, they're all stacked. Um, different ways. Virginia is more less uh, blue-chip talent, more program, just the way they play. Whereas Duke and North Carolina have tons of freshman talent and transfer talent coming in. Louisville has a sick team as well. Lots of freshmen, some grad transfers, bringing everyone back. Um, but yeah, th- those are the big four there in the ACC who, like I said, wouldn't be surprised if any of either of those teams won. I'd be shocked if, if let's say, two of those teams weren't in the Final Four. That's how good those four are. They're probably four of the top seven, maybe six teams in the country. Um, then I have Florida State that's not in the next tier. They're kind of in between the next tier. Um, they're not in that upper echelon, but they're not in tier two. Tier two, then I have NC State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, and Miami. Then a break between that tier, I have Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. Then a break from that is Clemson. And then at the bottom, I have Wake Forest, Boston College, and Virginia Tech. Now, this I had a bet last time, Clemson minus six and a half. They lost outright to Virginia Tech, so I've already made a a, a down arrow on Clemson. They're actually going to come down to that that bottom uh, uh, tier already. So I, even just after a one game sample, granted it was against another conference opponent, uh, I, I watched Clemson just have some real real uh, difficulty shooting the ball last night and just creating any sort of offense. Uh, also, coaching-wise, they had a huge mismatch against Virginia Tech inside, and they never once went inside. They just shot really ugly threes, which, as a better, makes you just want to throw something. Um, but yeah, that's the ACC. Pretty cut and dry. The top four teams are, are pretty damn nasty. Uh, this conference could easily get eight, maybe nine teams in the tournament, which is pretty insane. Anything jump out to you about the good old Atlantic Coast Conference there, Rob? No, sounds uh, sounds stacked, and it sounds like the approach at the very top is kind of a wait and see. Like you're not making big, big uh, calls one way or another about who kind of emerges for the pack. Right. I mean, the whole 
objective is, is like November, December, just get your eyes on as many games as possible. Uh, any edge you can find, you're going to like tonight. I have Syracuse, Virginia first half under um, just because Virginia's defense is just notoriously good. They're replacing their entire offense. Syracuse, very similar. Um, and they're, they're shooting in, in both these teams are playing their first official game in the um, Syracuse Dome, which is a really tough place to, to shoot a basketball just um, from the eyesight type of thing. Um, but I, you know, I might be on the over mid game if I see something I like. It's just getting our eyeballs on that and making adjustments. But based on the programs, Virginia and Syracuse, and based on what they have returning, um, I have scoring will be difficult as a note for both teams. So um, I'm putting my money behind my scouting report, and we're going to see what happens tonight. Uh, this is going to be recorded afterwards, so it's going to look really good or really bad. But uh, that's, that's life in the gambling world. Uh, but yeah, so we'll move on. To the big, the big old twelve, uh, with ten teams, of course, in it. Uh, Kansas is kind of the the upper tier. They lost last night by two points to, to Duke, but uh, they return Azubuki, who's a true like old-fashioned Joel Embiid type of big man. Uh, Doxton at the point guard. They they kind of just have a dynamic inside and outside presence. They, so for the first time in 14 years, they didn't win this conference last year, which is pretty insane. Uh, but they, they, they're just a perennial stack team. Uh, they, this is their conference to lose. The next tier down, I have Baylor and Texas Tech. Texas Tech went to the national championship last year. Um, they, Texas Tech beat some insane programs to keep, just make it to the tournament or to the championship. They beat Michigan in the Sweet 16, Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, uh, Michigan state in the final four and then ultimately lost to virginia despite winning and being up like with three minutes left in the fourth quarter um but this texas tech team lost a lot from last year but their coach is amazing in his second season he took fucking texas tech from lubbock lubbock texas to the national title i mean that's just it's unbelievable um so he's a real beast uh baylor is with texas tech here a lot of people I respect really like Baylor. Uh, to me, that's a huge jump for this Baylor program. Scott Drew, their coach, I'm not the biggest fan of, but he did do an amazing job last year kind of scrapping together a team and getting them to the, the tournament. They lost like their best player in early January, and Tristan Clark, who is now back, and it was kind of looking like they were going to be the worst team in the Big 12. He kind of just did a great coaching job and just – changed the entire team essentially in like one night, like went from being like a, a big team, Burley team to being like an undersized team playing more guards, still dominating the glass. Um, so yeah, it was really surprising. Cause like I said, I'm not, I wasn't the biggest sky drew fan in the world, but he did do a really good coaching job last year after. So after that, that's the second tier third. I, I won't call this their own tier, but Texas is in between the second and the third tier. Shaka smart. I think is in your five at um, Texas. He's yet to really – he's recruited well, but really yet to take Texas on a major run. Um, they have talent. Uh, they just got the defensive coach from Michigan. So Michigan's coach, we'll talk about briefly with the Big Ten, just went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so Juwan Howard is Michigan's coach, which is really funny. Um, but they just got this new coach from Michigan who's the guy who kind of – he wasn't the head coach. The head coach went to the Cavs, but he was the, like uh, he was almost like the defensive coordinator, if you will. He's like now down in Texas, so it'd be interesting to see how he assimilates in in uh, with Shaka Smart there. I mean, well respected guy, uh, but we'll we'll see how that pans out. The next tier is Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Uh, once again, I have these teams within one point of each other in this tier here. Uh, Iowa State lost plenty from last year's team. Uh, West Virginia last year, they had a really terrible year by their standards. I mean, they were like the eighth or ninth uh, best team in this conference. Usually they're top three. Uh, so you kind of bounced on them or counted on them to bounce back. Oklahoma State, thin roster from last year, played well in spurts, but still kind of building a program. Oklahoma, young team, only one senior. Uh, their coach is, is one of like the all-time greats. He's like one of the I think one of two people to ever take four teams to the NCAA tournament. That being said, the team's not overly talented. And then finally, Kansas State and TCU are that that last tier. Kansas State had a legendary senior class last year, so they just lost a ton. 
So that's kind of uh, the, the reason for where they are right now. And TCU is down there because Jamie Dixon is not a good coach. He almost took the UCLA job. So it was like kind of everyone thought he was the guy they were going to get. And then at the end, he kind of like just it didn't work out for whatever reason. So he's like awkwardly returning back to TCU. And I mean, he's done well with the program in the last three, four years. But um, that even was back to his days in Pittsburgh. He wasn't a good coach. So it's the old Big 12. Anything jump out to you there, Rob? Not you know a lot about these coaches, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, a good portion of this the past decade I have spent um, following them. So, yeah, <laughs> some people have like you know family members they hang out with and stuff. I have uh, random coaches who I've never met in person that I know kind of well. <laughs> but uh, anyways, moving on to the glorious Big Ten. So Michigan State is kind of like the consensus number one team in the nation. Well, they lost last night to Kentucky. Uh, this is still, by pretty much any metric, the best team in, in college basketball. But they're not like you know Duke with Zion last year. They're not like I you know a different tier from everybody else. They're just kind of what you look at a veteran team. They have the best point guard in the country. Tom Izzo's a great coach. Speaking of coaches, um, one game really, especially in November, means nothing. Oddly enough, last year Duke like shredded Kentucky in the same matchup. And because they destroyed Kentucky, like so hard, they got overrated in the power rankings. So they were like two and 10 against the spread the next 12 games. So it just goes to show you, you just can't overreact from one game. Uh, so this Michigan state team is still got everything you want. Very com- complete team. Great coach, great point guard. They're going to be just fine. They're going to be a one seed come March guaranteed. Um, moving to the second tier with the Big Ten, there's I got three teams here. <sighs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but Maryland is the second best team based on my rankings here. Maryland has a shit ton of talent. There's no doubt about it. But our fucking coach is terrible, Mark Turgeon, and he is such a turge. He just sucks. He's, and we had so we had such a good coach before this with Gary Williams. He would like take four year guys like four-star guys and just develop them and coach them and it was so good to like see guys get better really all maryland's guys get better from is like their their weight training program and stuff like that their coach is just he's terrible his x's and o's are terrible but my numbers and my previews have them as the second best team in the big 10 on that same tier ohio state conversely and i hate saying this but probably has the best they do have the best coach in the conference He's really good. This is his second year with the program. Caleb Wesson is a top three player in the conference. They're a really good team. They're, they're going to be really solid. They're, they're not, there's not going to be a lot of nights they don't show up. Uh, so I, I will be backing the good old Buckeyes uh, a lot this year probably. In that same tier, Purdue, it's a weird phrase to say, but they've been, if not the, the second most consistent program last 10 years in the Big Ten. Matt. Matt Painter's done a great job with Purdue. Uh, I don't know how you get people to, um, you know, come to bumfuck Indiana when the other school from bumfuck Indiana has all the history. And then there's the Catholic bumfuck Indiana school too. But somehow he does this. They built a program. <laughs> Crazy good engineering at these, these Boilermaker schools. So good on you. Uh, they lose Carson Edwards, who's an unbelievable player, but they return everyone else. This is kind of like just a program ranking. It's kind of like with Virginia. It's like it's not about who they're replacing or losing. It's just the fact of how consistent this program's been, and you just kind of have to respect them and just kind of like give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be okay. And if they're not, you can adjust them down, but you give them the benefit of the doubt to start the year. Um, the next team, I would put them in, in not in the third tier, but in between the second and the third, third tier is Michigan. Uh, they just they lost the best coach I thought probably in college basketball. He went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, we have Jawan Howard, who's a complete question mark. Um, should probably help with uh, recruiting, but you're just not going to replace uh, the, their coach. I mean, John B. John B. Line is it, he was just an unbelievable coach, and Jawan Howard was speaking in an interview a couple of days ago and, and so here's the thing about the NCAA you're not you're not allowed to talk about who you're recruiting for whatever god knows reason but yeah they were like asking him like yeah what kind of players are you looking to bring in next year and he just went off like naming three or four guys in like <laughs> midway 
like someone like got his attention was like shut the fuck. He's like, oh, I actually don't think I could talk about this because Juwan Howard. I mean, he he might be a great coach. He was in the NBA a long time as a player and then as like an assistant, but he's definitely. Michigan fans will notice a a large drop from just those little things um, that John Beelan, uh he would never allow. And even last night, they they were a seventeen point favorite last night. I forget who they were playing, but they only won by eight. Um, so you, it won't be it won't be shocking to see me maybe bet against Michigan in the not too distant future. Still have a lot of talent on that team though, but it sucked because that was such a, a good team to back. Because when you anytime you have a good coach, you're just like never out of a bet. And it's just it's just such a good strategy in college basketball just to bet on a good coach. So it's unfortunate that he's gone. Uh, but now moving to that third tier, we have Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana. These are teams that if they hit their high goal, they can make the tournament. If they if they kind of are at expectations or below expectations, they're going to miss the tournament. Illinois plays a pretty really fun brand of, of basketball. They press a lot. Um, so if you have trouble with that or playing fast in general, they will exploit you. But conversely, if you can hold on to the ball and just be patient on offense, you're gonna you're gonna beat this team. They are a lot of fun to watch. Brad Underwood, he he ran this at Oklahoma State, brought this to Illinois. He's finally got the personnel to really run this team. But the, the they they will look like the best team at times, and they will look like the worst team in the conference at times. Um, so we'll definitely u- utilize that. Um, you know to to take advantage of that regression. Conversely, Wisconsin is one of the most boring teams. Uh, they play very boring basketball, very uh, efficient basketball, don't get me wrong, but their range of outcomes is much smaller than Illinois'. Um, they, they just, you know, they, they just are a bunch of farm white boys that, um, that pass a lot and don't foul, uh, which is actually, by the book, really good basketball, but it's also not going to win you a national title if you don't have really good players. Iowa plays a really funny brand of basketball. They have an insanely good offense, but a really bad defense. Uh, it's a team I like to, to bet against on the road just because they're so dependent on their shooting, and it's a lot easier, obviously, to shoot at home. Um, so we'll definitely be backing and running against this team during certain situations. Indiana, they had a five-star recruit last year, Romeo Langford, who just was terrible. I mean, he got drafted by the Celtics this year. I don't know why. May, may, you know, it's based on his potential, but he was just really bad last year. Uh, Archie Miller's their coach. He is a good coach. To be eager to see how he's able to do in a more team dynamic. Um, but yeah, last year was kind of like a wasted year. They felt this five star was like going to carry them to to prominence, and he just it just just didn't happen. He shot like twenty eight percent from three. It was pretty insane. Um, Minnesota. So Rick Pitino's boy. Uh, his son is the coach here. They have lots of transfers. They play a very like uh, bully ball type basketball, like try to kill you on their boards. Um, don't have the, the most polished offense. It's a lot of athletes, isolation ball, um, but an interesting team to follow. Penn State returns a lot. They weren't the best team last year, but they returned a 20-point score. It'll be interesting to see how they, they um, do this year. Rutgers and Nebraska are in this uh, fifth tier, I guess. And Rutgers is kind of well-coached, solid defense, but they just don't have Big Ten talent. They just kind of have, like, guys who should be playing mid-major. Um, so th- that being said, I, Rutgers does present good opportunities for unders and betting on them just based on um, the way they play. And they do have a decent coach. It's just, a, it's just you know, talent. Talent is talent. Nebraska has a Fred Hoiberg. So we talked about him a couple podcasts ago, but he's the guy who went from Iowa State to Chicago. Uh, to, to the Bulls and just totally tanked with the Bulls. Uh, um, but, yeah, now he's he's playing uh, or he's coaching out in Nebraska. They lost last night as, like, 17-point favorites. They, they lost by, like, 15 to some fucking no-name school. So they're trying to establish a culture, and that looks like it might take a while. Uh, and then last but certainly least, Northwestern. They're actually recruiting well. They just don't have a lot of talent. The Big Ten is very good. Uh, Chris Collins, he was a assistant at Duke for a while. He's not a bad coach. It's just it's really hard to recruit to Northwestern with the academic standards they have, and just trying you're essentially trying to create a Duke in modern times. Uh, not that it was easy to create a Duke back in in you know 1980s, but it's even harder now where you know you just need talent. Um, so he can keep trying, I guess, but uh, I wouldn't hold my breath for all our Northwestern list, uh, fans out there. 
any questions about the glorious Big Ten there, Rob? No, I'm trying to picture Fred Hoiberg's like change in living situation from Chicago <laughs> to Nebraska. Yeah. Now, um, it sounds like you again know a bunch of very specific <laughs> coaching details here that sound like they like a real big factor. Right? It's everything, dude. I mean, coaching is everything. Like I said, the players are really. You're pretty much on a, a, a spectrum. You know, you might have, oh, we have a really good crop this year or this recruiting class, so you're going to put them at the higher end of their spectrum. But it's really programs uh, until they break that glass ceiling. So like Texas Tech last year, I mean, if you would have told me three years ago Texas Tech would go to a national championship game, I would have laughed in your face. But when these outliers happen, then you, okay, you make an adjustment. But, but pretty much these teams stay in their program, you know, uh, until they hit that glass ceiling. Virginia did the same thing with Tony Bennett. He's a fantastic coach. But, you know, they have to build it, you know. So you kind of – it's something you just pick up on. So like I said, with Ohio State, I could very easily see Ohio State being a, a top five program in two to three years if, if they keep progressing like they are. And, I, of course, you know how much that pains me to say. Um, but you, you just kind of see it based on the coach. It's, it's not the, really the players. Players come and go. Um, you know, it's ultimately the, the coach is the program. So, yeah, you really knowing the coaches is everything. That's why I'm so, you know, pessimistic about Maryland, even though they're like they're seventh in the nation preseason, uh, just because I know how bad the coach is. But anyways, before I get too angry, <clears throat> Pac-12 preview. Uh, Oregon is the, I want to say clear favorite, but they, they have the, definitely the highest ceiling. They have the best coach. I mentioned coaching is important. Uh, they have the best coach, Dana Altman. He was at uh, Creighton before coming to beautiful Eugene, Oregon. And he, he just, yeah, he's a defensive wizard, can can really uh, make things happen. This team was about 500, I think, in early February, and he got them to the Sweet 16 last year. He almost beat Virginia. I think they only lost by four to Virginia, the national champions last year. Um, they recently had a, a five-star guy reclassify. He was going to be a 2020 uh, high school graduate, but he decided to graduate early to join Oregon. be interesting to see how they use him. So they're the clear tier by themselves. Tier two is Colorado, Arizona, and Washington. Colorado returns everyone, legitimately everyone. Their best player, Mackenzie Wright, point guard, more of a scoring guard. Um, he's kind of the key to their team. What's cool about Colorado is they have a top 10. So there's 300 teams in Division One basketball. They have a top 10 home court advantage. Do you know why, Rob? No. Little thing called altitude. So Colorado, it's about four, last year was a five-point uh, home court advantage, but mostly because of their altitude. Um and really, Pac-12 in general, home court in the last five years has meant almost as much compared to any conference in basketball. One of the reasons why is because they play Thursday-Saturday games. Sometimes they play Thursday-Sunday, but you have a set team you play in those that weekend. So you're either at home for a weekend or you go on the road. So if you, for example, let's say you're USC and you're on the road and you play the Arizona school. So on Thursday night you play ASU and then you – take a bus down to, to North Mexico, to Tucson, and play um, U of A on Saturday night. And Colorado's partner with that is Utah. So the two highest elevation or altitude um, in the major, in the big six conferences, they're actually, you play them in the same weekend. So while that's built into the line, that is something to consider. But Colorado, like I said, has, has a really good home court advantage, but they return everyone. Uh, yeah, and, and Mackenzie Wright is is definitely the, the the name to know for that team. Arizona, they've had a really weird offseason. I can't. I have Ken Palm really overrating this team, but they do have a lot of talent, five star recruits. I thought Sean Miller. There's been like an FBI investigation for Arizona basketball for like five years. I don't know how he's not in jail, but I think the NCAA is a sham. Uh, they have tons of talent, though. They need chemistry and time to gel. Washington's a really interesting team. So Washington won the conference last year. They are Syracuse of the uh, West. So Washington is a uh, – their coach is a disciple of Syracuse. So they play a 2-3 zone. 
they've been recruiting for this 2-3 zone. They, um, you know, essentially implementing that. So I like vetting those teams just because you can understand their zones and you can also understand which teams have certain skills to break those zones. So that's kind of a team. I, I try to watch Washington often just because I, I like watching, you know, them play and i also like watching how i for me it it's a sign of a good coach if they're able to adapt knowing that hey we have we're playing this zone for me that tells me a lot about the the opposing coach saying okay well they had to scheme something up to counter this team's zone so that for me is like okay that's a that's a pro this this coach knows what they're doing or conversely this this uh coach doesn't know what the hell they're doing they just keep trotting out the same thing out there expecting different results um, so we're looking for bad coaches too. Bad coaches is good. You can bet against them. Um, moving to that third tier, Arizona State, USC, Oregon State, UCLA. Arizona State has been probably the hardest team to predict year in, year out. They beat Kansas at Kansas and beat Kansas at home. The week after beating Kansas at home, they lost to Princeton at home. Uh, they lost to Washington State last year at home, one of the worst teams historically in the, in the Power Six. They're just very erratic the way they play. It's very fun to watch. I don't know if you've watched our Devils run, but they, they are fun to watch. They're very up-tempo, but they turn the ball over a lot. Uh, it's very inefficient basketball a lot of times. And uh, the old saying is if it's fun basketball to watch, it's usually bad basketball, and that kind of applies to, to Bobby Hurley and our boys. That being said, um, you know, I, I like rooting for our Devils. Uh, uh, Who's that to... coach that you confronted freshman or sophomore year? I confronted the coach. Yeah, you definitely said something to an Arizona State head basketball coach who was walking through the oh, honors college. Oh, Herb, Herb Sendak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herb Sendak. Oh, shit. I totally. Oh, yeah. I was wearing a Maryland shirt. That's what it was. I was wearing, I was wearing a Maryland shirt, and I said something to Herb Sendak, who was previously at NC, NC State uh, coach. And he said to me, we got to get you an ASU shirt. I said, well, yeah, don't act like you don't still have some NC State <laughs> shirts. And he started laughing. But yeah. So, it, so Herb Sendek, wow, great memory. Um, yeah, Herb Sendek was pretty much the opposite of Bobby Hurley. Like, pretty good X's and O's, but just, like, could not recruit. Just played a very boring style of basketball. So I would much rather have Bobby Hurley than uh, boring as Herb Sendek. Ask Andy Andrews about Herb Sendek. He'll he'll just give you an earful. Anyways, um, USC has so I don't know if you remember, but 2013 Florida Gulf Coast went to like the Sweet 16. They had uh, like Dunk U or Lob, no, Lob City is what it was called. So the coach from there he like springboarded that into a job at USC. He's done really well recruiting, but just hasn't put the team together. They're very undisciplined. They've always got a lot of talent, but they just play just kind of stupid basketball, just uninspired, not a lot of hustle, things of that nature. Um, so it's kind of a getting to the make or break point. It's like year six for this guy. It's like, come on, dog, like, you know, produce or not produce. Andy Enfield, I think is his name. He actually um, holds the free throw record from Johns Hopkins, but hit NCAA free throw percentage record. I think it's like 96% for free throws, which is pretty insane. Um, but yeah, so there's your little nugget about that coach. Moving to Oregon State, um, they, Patrice Pinkle is the guy's name that you need to know for this team. He is, he's the son of the coach. He really should have probably gone pro. He would have been drafted in the second round. But this guy is so good that I think his dad just like begged him to stay for one year. This is a team where I made a note that they have absolutely no depth. So this reminds me of a team like Nebraska last year where I um, – just because you, you follow a team so closely, you, you can see when, you know, when things aren't matching up with the data might show. So Nebraska was a, was a really top-heavy team. They, they had maybe you know, three or four top-level guys. Then they had two or three mid-major guys, and then they had like nobody after that. So what happened was Nebraska got hit by a wave of injuries and the metrics still had them good. And they, they slowly downgraded them, but they didn't downgrade them enough. And I, I think I made like 15 to 16% of my, my winnings from college basketball last year were actually betting against Nebraska. 
Um, and this that's kind of what I have a star for this Oregon State team. If injuries hit this team, we're going to make a lot of money off them just because they are have no depth. They have like two, pretty much all Pac-12 players. Then they have like two high major players. And then the rest of the roster is like guys who should not even be getting a division three scholarship, like from based on like recruiting rankings and shit like that. So that's just a little asterisk I have. It, you know, it has to happen. The injuries have to come, but if they do come, we can really profit off this team. And I have a couple of other teams that I have starred like that and any injuries can hurt any team, but they would really hurt this team. Um, that, that's just a little note I had on them. Uh, UCLA, Nick Cronin is the new coach. So I don't know if you saw this, but they had a really embarrassing, uh, search for a coach this offseason. So I talked about Jamie Dixon from TCU. They had like four or five other guys, and then they eventually landed on Nick Cronin, who I actually personally love. Uh, he was the Cincinnati's coach. He's like this little 5'9 guy. Uh, he's pretty much, I think he's shorter than me. He's like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and he's just like this fucking really intense guy who just recruits really tough-minded, like just aggressive physical players. And yeah, to me, I love that brand of basketball. I don't know how much La La Land's gonna love it. Um, not a lot of shooting, not a lot of pretty offense, but a lot of good defense, a lot of intimidating as um, just playing. It's just fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, he was like their eighth choice to get hired, and he's now their coach. So they're trying to um, you know spin that, but we'll see. My man Nick doesn't care. He's he's a badass. Um, now this. Fourth tier, I guess we'll call it, Stanford and Utah. Stanford just, they lost a lot from last year. It's really hard to recruit. They actually have been recruiting decently, but their coach just isn't that great. Um, the team just lacks offensive rhythm. Um, yeah, they lost a lot from last year. Utah has maybe the youngest team in Power Six. They have a really good coach, though. So this is a team that... Probably early in the year, I won't be looking to back, but later in the year, uh, I'll probably be looking to, to put money behind. Like I said, hashtag coaching matters. And then at the bottom, Washington State and California, they're two terrible teams, but they were somehow actually both worse last year, both first year with these coaches. Uh, I would say Washington State's coach is better than Cal's coach. Uh, Washington State's coach is uh, San Francisco's old coach, whereas California's old coach is Mark Fox from Georgia. Um, yeah, I, I can pretend like I know what I'm talking about with these two programs, but really there's, there's just nothing more to say. Just wait and see. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's what we'll do. Anything about the gorgeous Pac-12 you want to go over, Rob? Um, no, I, I, I get that, um, Colorado and Utah have really good attitudes. High attitudes make a big difference <laughs> when they're playing at home. So good vibes in Boulder only good vibes. <laughs> but uh but yeah so so that's the pac 12 um i was gonna go over the big east and the sec but realistically if you want to get information from there i would go to threemanweave.com uh for just type in three man weave basketball and just type in sec preview and big east preview because that's where 90 percent of my intel is going to come from and this has already kind of gone longer than i expected and i'd rather me give you authentic uh viewpoints than kind of just i was going to cite them but um you're just going to do better if, if you were keen here for those two conferences which is probably none of you but if that is you i would go to three man weave i would really go to three man weave anyways to read up on any of the conferences they do a great job like i said they're their resource that i use uh and once again at hoop vision i use hassle metrics and Kempom. i'll post these in the show notes um you know reach out any questions things of that nature but i'm really excited for this year rob i'm really really busy uh football uh, this whole work thing I do from the morning time to the afternoon takes a lot mm-hmm. of time. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, I try, I used to have time to just like dick around and be an idiot. I, there's not that much time uh, of that available. Rob, what do I, what should I do? I'm not used to having this conundrum. It's almost like time is precious and fleeting and you should, uh, save every moment moment or something like that. Uh, no, that's, I think that's fake news, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm busy and, uh, but it's a fun busy and, uh, yeah, I, I hope this has been beneficial. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be quick to adjust. Um, I'll talk about adjustments 
I'll be posting stuff with the football. I'll be active this weekend with football. I know I kind of was off last weekend. I was just uh, kind of sober up from the whole Nationals October month and to also preview college basketball. But now we're here. Uh, I am, was it three days sober now? Uh, four, this is my fourth day sober. So um, here we go. Good job. Uh, Token, <laughs> dude. Um, are you going to be posting uh, like live tweeting college basketball bets like you did for a bunch of NFL and college stuff? Yeah, football stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, those will obviously come weeknights usually, um, but yeah, I post I'll post my plays, uh, and then pretty much all day Saturdays, especially January, February, and March, it'll just be nonstop. So I'll post anything, as always, bet your own risk. Um, you know, variance is a bitch, uh, but uh, yeah, we're we're gonna look to make some money. College basketball, baby. That's- that's it, dude. Uh, that being said, is there anything else? That's it. Let's wrap it. All right, dude. I'll see you and everybody else next week. Peace.